Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Last week, we studied the triumphal entry. Everybody say triumphal entry. Now let's just for a moment... You can go to Hebrews chapter 1. Let's just for a moment, for the sake of what we're teaching on, just kind of refresh ourselves. God created the current earth, sun, moon, skies, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. The experience that we are involved in, the drama of humanity, began approximately 6,000 years ago. Now, whatever existed before that, or whatever exists after that, really is no concern to us right now because we're involved in this drama. Amen? I mean, I know there's indications of previous uh, uh, societies that date back. Well, you know, that'll all be cleared up one day. But today, here we are, and today is now for us. So the relevance of things that may have happened 10,000 or 100,000 years ago are really not relevant to us now. But what was relevant and what is relevant to us is what happened in creation when God came back down to an earth that obviously there had been a cataclysmic event in which turned this earth into a darkened uh, place without form or purpose. There was no form, there was no purpose to something that God had created in, in existence many, however many years before. I have no idea. But the first thing he did when he came is he turned on the lights. He said, let there be light. And the Bible says light was, and light's good, amen. And then he began to create. He began to create herb-bearing plants. He began to create animals. The, uh, the law of Genesis, everybody say the law of Genesis. The law of Genesis was instituted, which is every seed reproduces after its own kind. Then in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us. Now, when he said let us, he was speaking of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Or I like to say it like this. In that setting, God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Ghost, he said of them, let us make man. Everybody say man. Or mankind. Let us make mankind in our image. Now, let me just say something about God. God is a whole lot like us. Now, a lot of people, when you say that, they get real nervous. They're like, oh, no, God ain't anything like us. Yes, yes He is. God is a whole lot like us because we're made in His image. <laughs> That's not hitting too good. Let me try that again. God is a whole lot like us because we are made. I believe He has emotions. I believe He has feelings. I believe He has a heart. I believe He has hands and feet and eyes and ears. I believe there's a whole lot about God that once God is revealed unto us by Jesus His Son, I believe when we see Him, we're going to think, huh, we are made in His likeness and image. Amen. Amen? And in that pristine environment, God made man. And in man or mankind was God's reproduction of man and the man with the womb or the womb man. Are you with me? Now they were both encapsulated into one. God sent his man into creation. He gave man purpose. He gave man direction. And he gave man identity. Man was intelligent. Man had authority. And man had dominion over this entire planet. 
The planet was not in turmoil. Nature was not in turmoil. There were no thorns. There were no animals eating animals. There was no what we would call the problems of the day and hour going on in Eden in that environment. In that environment, God saw that the man was lonely. And in man's purpose, as he named animals, the animals would pass by and God would see that there was not one animal that would fit the purpose of man. So God came down and put man into a sleep and out of the side of man, not the foot. <laughs> women should have really amen me on that one. I, I should have got a much better amen from the ladies on that one. Amen. Out of the side of man, God brought the woman. Everybody say the woman. He made man the greater vessel and the woman the finer vessel. Now let me say that some people use the word the greater and the weaker. That's not right. He made, he made man the, 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 the greater or the head and he made woman the finer. You say, what about you mean the finer? More delicate? More fragile? Amen? Uh, there's all kinds of people that are, you know, all everybody's equal. Well, that's not true. That's not the way God created us. Amen? Amen? So... In that pristine environment of the Garden of Eden, I don't know how long it went on. It may have went on for eons of time. It may have went on for three days. I have no idea. But in that garden, in that pristine environment, with the man and the woman in that garden came an entity, an illegal entity. He got into a serpent or a snake. That's illegal. You say, what do you mean by that? John chapter 10 talks about how Jesus came the correct way through the womb of the woman, but the thief came how? He came over the fence. He came over the wall. He came illegally. He got into the garden and he did not go to the man. He went to the woman. And as he deceived the woman, in some way the man was there and allowed it. Because the Bible said he was there with her. And they ate of a fruit of a tree. Now, that's where a lot of people get real mixed up. They're like, well, pastor, why would God do that? Why would God put a tree that could cause all of humanity to fall and a tree of life where man could, man could eat off of one, but if he ate on the, off of the other, it would cause all this destruction to take place. The issue was choice. The issue was will. Because God could create created beings that he created to love him that he created to worship him, that he created to praise him, but he would rather have somebody that would do it by choice. Amen. 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 So he put that choice in the garden, and you know, instead of getting to a lot of detailed teaching, teaching, man made the wrong choice. And he disobeyed God, and he ate of the fruit, and he committed a, a crime of high treason. He was the only one that could do it. He was, the, he was the master copy. He was the prototype. He, he and the woman were the two in the garden that all of humanity would be patterned af after. We've used this illustration many times here at the church about how, you know, years ago when we were just uh, in field ministry, way back in the 80s, we started reproducing our messages and we'd sell them at the, at the, at the meetings that we preached. We put them in little packets and we, had, we sold tens of thousands of them all over the world and they were cassette tapes. Now, I'm not near as familiar with reproduction with the CDs and the thumb drives and all that, but I knew that the cassette tapes, we had a complete set, because remember, they were all black. The ones that we, uh, the, the ones that we were reproduced were all uh, cream colored, but these were all black and they all said master copy, which means these were the master copies that came off of the microphone of the, of the, of the message I was preaching wherever I was preaching it at. Uh, if, if, if there was a message I thought needed to be reproduced, I'd tell the pastor of the church, could you please send that master copy? 
to our, to our office so we could reproduce that. So we would get master copies from the churches. Now, we would put that on a machine. I believe at one time we had four, three or four. And you could put that master copy on the machine. And this one would do three, this one four, this one four, this one four. And they could just reproduce an enormous amount uh, of CDs. And they would make little inserts for them and make little, uh, you know, make up the names of them. And we would take those to our meetings. Now, if we got one back that, that they said, well, you know, the sound's not right. Or, or, the, or, or it's missing five minutes in it. We knew that it was not the problem of the copy. It was the problem of the master copy. So we could really not afford to go fix all of the copies. We had to go find that master copy and fix it. Now, now listen, Adam and the woman were the master copies. And God put them on the reproduction machine, which is the law of Genesis, ever seed reproducing after its own kind. And then man fell into sin and unrighteousness and went into a state of spiritual separation from God or spiritual death and went right on that copy machine and began to reproduce. And what did they reproduce? They reproduced sin. They reproduced iniquity. They reproduced murder and death and theft and all kinds of negative things to the point where it came to Noah's day, God had to literally destroy the whole earth except for eight people. Amen? The master copy was flawed. But thank God he had a plan. I said, thank God he had a plan. Now, God, down through the ages, came to the earth in the person of Jesus. Jesus being the new master copy. But in order for the master copy to function correctly so that it could affect fallen humanity, it had to go through a process in which reproduction was possible. We call that process redemption. Amen? So that Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross, defeated Satan, rose from the dead, placed his blood in the Holy of Holies in heaven, and now we'll read in just a second, is sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Sitting down denotes a finished work. We're done. We're finished. Are you with me? Therefore, his act of redemption became available. Now listen to this. Became available to humanity how? The same way the choice was given to the man and the woman in the garden to eat of the tree of life or the knowledge of good and evil, that choice is now given to humanity in reverse. You say, what do you mean by that? You're already eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You were born eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But now you must make the choice to eat of the tree of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So by choice... The new master copy has reproduced itself in you. And you are now what? You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You were a poor old sinner and grace and faith come into your life. Now you're saved and now the preeminent reality of your identity is not the color of your eyes, the color of your skin, your gender, your geographical location, the number one thing that sits at the top of your identification is you are now a new creature in Christ. You are God's child. Oh, somebody ought to get excited about that. Now, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Everybody say, His Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, 
who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the Word of His power. Now listen, I cannot put too much emphasis on the Word. You say, why? Because God does everything by the Word. Notice it's not the phrase, the power of His Word. Let me say that again. It's not the phrase, the power of His Word. It's the Word of His power, which means God Himself draws His power where? From His Word. Amen. It's not like He sits up in the throne of heaven and says, now I'm going to put some power into this Word and, and not so much into this Word and, and a little bit more into that Word. No, no, no. God Himself speaks His Word and then draws His power from that Word. Amen. Oh, you ought to get real excited about that. You say, why? Because you have that Word now. You get that Word living in you. You get that Word dwelling in you. You get that Word working in you. It's the Word that works in you. The Bible says in the book of Acts, so mightily grew the Word and prevailed. The current situation you're involved in needs what? The Word in you to grow mightily and prevail. To prevail over that diabetes, that arthritis, that financial problem. That word is looking for the process in your life in which it can be preeminent and prevail in your life. You say, why? Because you now carry the identity of God on the earth and are ready to be able to tap in to the word of His power. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. I don't know about you. I don't preach myself happy. Amen? Now, I know that's my biggest problem. Pastor, you say, too much, too fast. Well... We saw a bowl. We went into a dog shop. Uh, we got three dogs, and, 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 and Luna eats pretty regularly. Uh, 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 Freckles eats real slow. But Cookie, the Labrador, always eats every meal like it's the last meal. I mean, just... And so they got this bowl now they made for dogs that eat too fast. And it's got a deal in the middle and this thing that goes round and round. So all of the food has to fall into these cracks and the dog has to go around and eat all of the, you know, it's got to take its time and go around all of the cracks. But we didn't have enough heart to buy it. Amen. <laughs> Cookie's nine. Let her enjoy her life. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to learn to eat fast. Listen fast. Eat fast. Amen. By the word of his power. I say word of his power. It said we by himself purged our sins. Now know speaking of Jesus. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now I love this in the Amplified. It says in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth and in different ways God spoke uh, of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in these last days... He hath spoken unto us in the person of a son, whom he hath appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. Oh, that ought to give somebody a, a good opportunity to shout. You say, why? Because he is heir and lawful owner of what? All things. Oh, glory to God. Don't get me off on that. All you talk about is money. <laughs> Let me find my place now. I done messed up and lawful owner of all things, by whom also, through and whom, he created the worlds. Now listen to this. He created the worlds, the reaches of space, the ages of time. He made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being 
the outrain or radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe with His mighty word of power. See, that's, see that, we look at that and say, yeah, that's good, but hey, I don't know what this is doing for my light bill. Now, you have to understand that the God you serve, the God you serve is the God who outside of this earth right now, everything in the universe... You know, it's amazing that we, our, our planet sits at a place in which scientists tell us that if the earth were moved 500 miles this way out of its, out of its uh, orbit, we would burn up closer to the sun. If we were to move 500 miles outside the orbit, we'd, it'd freeze solid. Nobody would be able to live here. How, how does it stay in the proper uh, trajectory around the, the sun? How does it do it? By the Word of God. I said, by the Word of God. You think of all the things flying around in space. You know, how many movies are there out there of some meteor coming, you know? Some disaster movie. Here comes a meteor, and it's going to cut the earth in half, and we're going to be doomed, and all this, and all that. You, see, you notice it hasn't happened. Let me try that again. Some of you need to hear that. It hasn't happened. You say, why? The Word of God literally keeps it from happening because He is upholding, He is maintaining, He is propelling the entire universe by His mighty Word of power. I think He can take care of your light bill. Amen? Now, listen. I don't think there's any question, even in religion, of God's ability to do something. Where the fight comes is in His willingness. Now let me say that again. I tell you, most churches we go, we could, we could pack up in our buses and go visit all the churches of Galveston, those that don't even believe anything like we do, and ask them this question. Do you believe God can, and fill in the blank, can He heal? Can He deliver? Can He prosper? Can He do that? And everybody says, yeah, He can. Oh, yes, He can. Oh, yes, he can. Then the next question would be this. Will he? That's where the answers will start going awry. But the willingness of God to provide the little bitty things of life are literally maintained and upheld and demonstrated in his ability and everything that is around us to keep it in order to keep it maintained, to keep it propelled and flowing the way it's supposed to be so we don't just evaporate with one big boom. Amen. What does that? The Word of God. The Word of God keeps the sun in place. The Word of God keeps the moon in place. The Word of God keeps the meteors from hitting the earth. The Word of God keeps the universe expanding at the speed of light. The Word of God does that. And if the Word of God is so powerful to do that, how much more should the Word of God be working in the lives of those that believe it who are made in His likeness and image? My time's up. Oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? All right, we'll do it that way. He created the worlds, the reaches of space, the ages of time. He made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. He is the light being, the outrating, the radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint, the very image of God's nature, upholding, maintaining, guiding, and propelling the universe by His mighty word of power when He had by... When he had 
By offering himself, accomplished our cleansing of sins and ridden of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. Now listen, he connects the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews, connects the universe being created and upheld and maintained and propelled and kept in order to what? To Jesus sitting down at the right hand of the Father and His ability to, through redemption to take and rid us of all sin, all guilt, and everything that was wrong through us through our first birth. Amen. Do you see the connection? It was, the writer was not, well, I'm going to write about the universe. Now I'm going to write about Jesus. Now I'm going to write about... No, no, no. God is connecting His ability. Amen. I said He's connecting His ability. He's connecting His ability. His ability to create. His ability, his ability to take care of what He creates. His ability to finish the work. Amen. He is what? He has sat down. He has finished the work of redemption. I like, I heard a preacher say this years ago, and I've been saying it ever since. The two words God never says are what? Anybody know? Uh oh. Uh -oh. Because <laughs> those two words usually mean, I forgot something. When that accountant sat down with Lee and I, we said, uh oh. That uh -oh. <laughs> was a big uh oh, amen? But God never looks down at Island Church, and the people that goes to Island Church just goes, looks over at the sun, looks over at the mercy seat, looks at the blood, looks at all his creation, goes, uh-oh. We forgot about Galveston. Well, there's some devils down there we didn't think about. Come on, church. God doesn't say that. The, the, the truth of connecting and weaving into Revelation about His creation being held by His Word. And then showing us that Jesus has seated at the right hand of the Father. After His death, after His burial, after His resurrection, after His triumphal entry, after Him coming back to the earth, after Him revealing Himself to over 500 people, after Him receiving from the Father the person and the power of the Holy Ghost, because the temple was cleansed, it now found a place of habitation, the Spirit of God. After doing that, He what? He sat down. Done. You mean He's not going to get up and bless me? Nope. You mean he's not going to get up and save Uncle Bob? Nope. You mean he's not going to give up, get up and heal my, my corn on my toe? Nope. He sat down. I said he sat down. I said he sat down. After what? Accomplishing the riddance of your sin, of your guilt, of your iniquity, which means, because see, people with sin and guilt and iniquity and all that kind of stuff, they can't inherit the kingdom of God. But you've been rid of your sin, of your guilt, of your iniquity, so Jesus doesn't have to get up and heal your body. He don't have to get up and prosper your finances. He don't have to get up to set you free. He don't have to get up to get rid of the depression. He's already done it. He's already done it. And your adherence to it and your willingness to accept it. How? By faith. That's why it says without faith, 
It is impossible to please Him. By faith, you're healed. By faith, you prosper. By faith, we praise God. By faith, we worship Him. By faith, we tithe and offer. By faith, we give to the missionaries. By faith, we go into our community. By faith, by faith, by faith. Which what? Is what God gave us through the mighty power of His Word to tap into what He has sat down to secure. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You say, well, I don't know if I, know, I believe that or not. You need to believe it. That is what's called the gospel. That is the good news. Jesus of Nazareth came and died on the cross and rose from the dead and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. An act of what? Defiance against that which the enemy says he can do to you. Well, Jesus needs to come, come walk into my, ho- uh, my, my, my hospital room. No, He doesn't. He needs to do this. No, He's already done it. That's why for years and years of ministry, I've always said it like this. He's not going to save anybody. He's already saved everyone. Amen. So will you believe in eternal salvation? No, only the whosoever's that will call upon His name. He's not going to heal one person's body. He's already healed you. He's not going to prosper anybody's finances. He's just, he's already done it. He's already taken on poverty so that you through his poverty might be made rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. All of the things given to us in Christ Jesus belong to you personally. And as we said a couple of weeks ago, our religious mindsets keep us estranged from the full realization of what God has done for us in Christ. By the one thought of these things being legally ours, but not experientially ours. Now, let me see those hands again, those people that have been healed. I want you to raise your hands. Now, I would say they're raising their hand saying, I have experienced healing. Has anybody ever experienced prosperity? Raise your hand. Has anybody ever been uh, experienced, you've been delivered from tobacco, alcohol, drugs, anything like that? Raise your hand. Really? Really? Has anybody been delivered from like depression or oppression in your mind? Maybe a spirit of fear. Anybody ever been delivered from that? Really? You mean you're experiencing what legally belongs to you? Of course you are. That is the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is that any whosoever that will call upon His name can receive the full package of redemption into their life which is an instantaneous inside out identity change where all the provision that you need is not something now that you need to try to obtain through faith. I'm just trying to get my healing brother Rusty. I'm just trying. No, 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 no. It's that you see yourself already established in it. Your faith establishes your identity as who you are in Christ through His mighty word of power. You see yourself as what? You are the healed of God. 
I mean, I've said that when my body was telling me, you ain't the healed of God. I'm telling you, the doctor was telling me, you ain't the healed of God. The, 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 the prescriptions I was having to take was telling me, you ain't the healed of God. But I kept standing and I kept speaking and I kept using all those principles of faith of believing in my heart and confessing with my mouth that I am the healed of God. Healing is not something I'm trying to get. Healed is who I am. Prosperity is not something I'm trying to get. Prosperous is who I am. I'm telling you, when you begin to see it, it's something that God's made you. He has changed you. What God wanted to do in Christ, or what God wants to do in every man, He's done in Christ. Therefore, you have a death and you have a resurrection. You have a position. You're risen with Him and seated in heavenly places. He has sat down at the right hand of the Father, denoting I'm finished. It's complete. Now it's yours to do with what you want. The inheritance is yours. And the more you go into it, I've watched some of these guys over the years. Some of them I've met, sat with, sat at dinner. One of them particularly right now, he's worth a billion dollars. Has 20 airplanes. 20. Preaches the, probably the most criticized preacher on the planet. But see, nobody saw him when he had nothing. Nobody saw him when he was, uh, you know, he's about five foot tall. He weighed 300 pounds, was so overweight, was killing himself smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. Nobody saw him then, see. But what he made a decision to do as a believer, he and his wife, we're going to go into this covenant and we're going to go as far as we can go as human beings on the planet. How far can we go? How far can we go? How far? Well, God, there's no limitation on it. How far you want to go? And in this day, in this hour, the most criticized ministries on the planet are those that are probing the depths of how far they can go in this covenant. They get all the criticism. They get all the, uh, the negative press but it doesn't bother them a bit. They look at their paintings. They drive their Rolls Royces. They fly their citations. They have a big smile on their face. And they don't care what anybody says on the internet. And they walk with their God. And they talk with their God. And God loves them. And they love God. And they're new creatures. And the foundation of what they have done is right here what we're teaching right now. Right here what they're teaching right now. That's why we press toward these things. And, and what's mo the most amazing reality, Galveston has always been known as a very religious place. I mean, when the island was not near as many people as it had, we had, we had three churches of one religion. There's, there's several churches of many religions that are here. And people have kind of prided themselves on religion. Did you know we're fixing to celebrate uh, Mardi Gras, which, you know, in our minds is a demonic manifestation, a bunch of crazy people. But that's not true in the minds of religion. That's a religious celebration leading up to Lent. You see what I'm saying? There is such a polar opposite between what religion says and what God says. Let me try that again. There's such a polar opposite between what religion says and what God says. And this whole world system is bent toward religion. The most demonic thing on the earth is not communism or, or, or Islam or, or Buddhism. It's, it's religion, just flat religion that says there is a God, but He ain't going to do nothing for you. But there is a God, and He's already done something for you. 
And what He's done for you is exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. And all it takes is a little faith in the truth. All it takes is a little belief in God. And I guarantee you, a little bit, a little step at a time, a little bit here, a little bit there, and sometimes we struggle, and sometimes we have setbacks, but if you'll just keep pressing in, pressing in, pressing in, you'll be able to enjoy your part of that inheritance and all the glory that God has for you, and it will be exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think. And what you need to ask God for with all of your heart and all of your faith is a want to to do it. The strongest spirit, and I'm going to say this very reservedly and I'll close. The strongest spirit that I've had to fight on this island, and I know a little bit about things that you have to fight in areas because I've preached in areas all over the world. But the spirit on this island that inhibits true growth of the kingdom of God is apathy and complacency. Where it's just like, hey, you know, no big deal. The number one phrase I heard, I heard when I growing up, when I, when, I, when I lived on the island, lived in sin, was this, you snooze, you lose. Where's my Galvestonians in here? <laughs> you ever heard that one before, Jimbo? You snooze, you lose. And this apathetic, complacent, laid back. But God's raising up a people that's got some zeal, that's got some power, got some, power got some fire on the inside of them, that will not be denied that which God says belongs to them. And we will do our part to not only evangelize this island, but we're going to evangelize these nations. And we're going to do it through the wonderful truth and promise of the redemptive work that God has done in Christ for every person Every person in Galveston, the proudest banker, the lowliest prostitute, and everyone in between, God, through His love and compassion, has done it for them. Amen. 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 Lift your hands and thank Him. Father, we thank You. Oh, for Jesus being seated at Your right hand, completed and finished the work. We thank You for it, Father. Help us, help us as a people to radiate that in our lives, to preach it with how we live, through our generosity, through our compassion, through our mercy, through our grace, as we receive from Him that mercy, grace, and compassion, make us distributors of it everywhere we go. Lord, we don't want to fight religion. Don't need to. We got something better. We have a person. His name is Jesus. We thank You for Him. We thank You for what He is, for what He's done, and who He is in us. In Jesus' name. Father, we bless your name this morning. Thank you for all you're doing, all you've done, all you're going to do. We're so excited about your blessing in our lives. Thank you as we leave today, Lord. Our protection, our safety, your blessing. We put a demand upon your word. That word that empowers, that word that propels, that word that maintains. I thank you that it keeps us safe. No evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We as your people, by the authority we have in Christ, walk on serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. In our travels, on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, in the righteous labor of our hands, construction, education, up in the oil patch, wherever we do, whatever we do, wherever we go, we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thanking you, we're not subject to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. Lord, also, 
Empower us. Give us the zeal and fire to go outside the four walls of the church and number one, live this. Number two, proclaim this. That we might be ministers of reconciliation, ministers of restoration, ministers of encouragement, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Freely we received, freely we give. Thank you, Father, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.